0: You are listening to the MJ Sportscast, recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello and welcome everyone to a Thursday edition of the MJ Sportscast. This is Mike Tang. I am joined by my co-host and producer, Jerry Yang. Jerry, how's it going this week in regards to the sports world, man?
1: Yeah, man. Doing well. So, you know, what's on my mind these days is uh, fantasy football. We're in the playoffs now, but this week is pretty chill because I have a first-round bye in both my leagues, but... You know, the next two weeks after that, it's gonna be gonna be a crunch time. So I'm a little nervous, you know, especially with a lot of COVID cases happening with a lot of the players around the league. Um, You know, anything could happen in these two weeks, but we'll see what happens with, uh, I guess, the Bay Area sports as well. How about you? How are you doing these days?
0: Well, this just in today, Urban Myers is out ah. as. Quick, as- The coach of the jacksonville jaguars here and i don't know why society and social media as a whole why they love to um or why they they fathom you know the misery of coaches who struggle (laughs) in professional sports right and this one is very intriguing because Urban Myers has succe- has succeeded in every aspect or in every level mm-hmm. of football, right? Mm-hmm. And he basically dominated college football during his time with Florida, during his time with the Ohio State Buckeyes um, here. Mm-hmm. And people thought that maybe he would be able to flourish in the NFL level, but he hasn't, right? And we all know about the incidents that have happened this season uh most notably is the bar pick, you know, with the college lady dancing near his lap. We all know about him calling out assistance um here. We all seen the handshake that he gave last week from a former coach. And lastly, we've seen him kick the kick kick his kicker, right? His place kicker, <laughs> just because his kicker has missed a couple kicks in preseason, right? What do you think about the Urban Meyer situation, Jerry? Do you think his firing has been warranted, or do you think it it should have been done a long time ago? I mean, it's almost laughable, right? Like, see,
1: (laughs) as you were like going down that list, I think there was also another one that um, I read was, he put a strength and conditioning coach that was controversial back. And let's not forget about Tim Tebow, you know? He took a chance with Tim Tebow at tight end. So I think Urban Myers, you know, very polarizing, obviously. And I think the transition from college to the pros is pretty tough. I think the only person I could think of that successfully did it and sustained it is Pete Carroll, right? Everyone else comes in, maybe they did well, like Jim Harbaugh, but then those are very short tenures. Um, Nick Saban tried to do it when Miami talked about one of the best college football coaches, like ever, to play the game, to coach the game, right? Um, so I think that transition wasn't easy, but with Urban Myers, it sounds like he was trying to treat these guys like college kids when they're grown men with families, you know? And I think also it's just, he probably had a big ego. You know, a lot of the stories that came out, sounds like it's more of an ego trip for him. I mean, calling his assistants losers, he also mentioned how great he is. After he kicked the kicker, he also mentioned that hey, I'm the I am the head coach. I can kick you if I want to, right? And then the handshake I thought was overblown a little bit. I think that we talked about it that it was a little bit overblown, but I think it just summarizes the attitude of the guy. You know, I think that's it's just telling, I guess, right? More than anything else. I don't think it was anything he thought about. Um, but I think everyone saw that he was really arrogant, you know, and not in a good way. So what do you think? I mean, do you think it was warranted? I think I think it was a long time coming because of his losing record as well. You know, if he's winning, I think it'll be a different conversation, a different attitude within the locker room.
0: It's a tough transition because once a college coach has won a couple national championships um with their respective programs, they are deemed as the man on campus. They're deemed as the king of college football. Mm -hmm. While if you go to the NFL, the NFL doesn't really care too much, honestly, about head coaches. This is a superstars league, right? And Mm -hmm. NFL franchises, they're driven by, one, revenue, second, they're superstar players, and three, ownership, basically, right? So if if you can get along with those three, then you can be able to transition pretty well um, into the NFL. And also Mm -hmm. an added facet of it is that If you're going to go from a college program to the NFL, you better be able to hire some pretty damn good coordinators with you who are able to game scheme and be able to game plan accordingly, right? And also be able to coach your players too. And I think that's what Urban Myers was definitely lacking and what he didn't envision when he took this job. For example, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh, when when he came from Stanford, he wasn't able to you know, take care of the whole program by himself. He hired some really good assistants, some really good coordinators in Vic Fangio and Greg Roman um, there. And I think those hirings and them being on his side was very undervalued by the fan base, right? So I thought Jim Harbaugh, you know, he did a fairly good job in terms of getting the Niners to the Super Bowl and three NFC Conference Championship games. But his main Um, thing that held him back was his inability to get along with the general manager and also with the owner, right? And if you don't get along with those two, then you're going to be out as a head coach. And with Urban Myers, his situation is a little bit different because he just basically screwed up in a lot of areas in his first season as an NFL coach.
1: Yeah, I think this is a consistent theme with the cons and Jacksonville, right? I think with the ownership there, it just doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, they're hiring guys and kind of being hands off, which is good. It seems like, but then they're not putting the right people in place and not keeping these people in check. Like when Urban Meyer's, you know, bar pick and all his other stuff, where was the GM or the owner to tell him to hey, chill out a little bit? You know, I feel like it was like a loose cannon, kind of running loose in that locker room and being unchecked, right? And I think most. Coaches, especially a young one, would be checked and wouldn't, wouldn't be coming out in the media, right? I think that's also another thing, like the kicker thing, the assistant thing. If you're likable, no one's going to leak those things out, you know? Yeah. I think the bar pick could have happened to anybody, so I'll, I'll give that one a pass. The handshake was on TV, right? So I'll give that a pass as well. But the other things, I think it was more of a culture thing, so a locker room culture thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, looking back at the the coaches uh, for Jacksonville, Urban Meyer two and eleven, before him was Doug Maroney twenty three and forty three, right? Gus <laughs> Bradley, baby, he was with the he's with the Raiders right now, right? Mm-hmm. Fourteen and forty eight, right? And then Mike Mularkey two and fourteen, right? Since two thousand twelve, so that's almost ten years worth yeah. of just really really bad football, right? Both talent wise and also in management.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time when the Jaguars were good, you know? So I think it was like, what, checked out real days? I think that was the last time. But we got a comment from our boy, Andrew Peterson. What's up, gents? Happy holidays and go, Niners, Sharks, and Warriors. Yeah, same to you, my friend. Happy holidays and go, those teams as
0: well. Yeah, and looking at Andrew Peterson's uh, comments, I know uh, he's a Sharks fan there, and um, you will, You would love to get your thoughts, um, either Andrew or anyone else out there, about Eric Carlson not wanting to uh, possibly play. Yes in the upcoming beijing olympics here Uh, (laughs) so let's see what let's see what people think out there in the comment section
1: (laughs) is that a big controversy right now Uh, it's a little bit
0: i think it's a little bit just because like uh the quarantine stage is like up to three weeks now so that's kind of a tough that's tough to deal with right if yeah
1: yeah, I think in general, though, with China, it's a little bit tricky as well because of the tennis star that was, you know, spoken out against an official and then all of a sudden she disappeared. You know, I think the whole um, sports t- sports landscape kind of uh, saw that. So I think I kind of agree with him in some ways that we should be there. But and we, oh andrew peterson haven't heard that actually they should do whatever they feel is best for themselves i agree so i think you know olympus is one thing but let's not get too deep into politics but i feel like this was a big thing in sports right where you know we can talk about boycotting olympics in the future i feel like that we're yeah. a little bit premature with that one let's 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 write that in um as
0: time gets closer so <laughs> Tuesday evening, Steph Curry broke the all-time three-point record Ooh. there <laughs> at the Mecca of New York, Madison Square Garden
1: <laughs> uh, here.
0: Man, that was a great environment to be honest with you. Um, Curry mentioned that it felt like it was it was at home, right? Yeah. Being at Madison Square Garden and honestly, I think uh I think it was probably one of the best um just best arenas and best night to uh, to break the record here. What are your quick I, thoughts about it?
1: I mean, ironically, he almost got drafted by them, right? He could have been on their team if the Warriors had picked him up right before. So and I think, uh, yeah, Madison Square Garden, there's a lot of memories there. You know, so it's kind of like, like a perfect place. And I liked how the Knicks called timeout right after he broke the record to kind of give him his moment, you know, like having his dad there, Ray Allen being there. Uh, Reggie Miller was there. I think Ray Allen broke Reggie Miller's record, and now <laughs> Curry's breaking uh, Ray Allen's record. So that was kind of cool to kind of see that lineage, you know, of the different record breakers. Um, but it was a really cool moment, and I'm glad it's out of the way, to be honest with you. I didn't just put a lot of pressure on Curry, and a lot of teams, um, you know, trying to game plan against him. I, th- I think his performance suffered a little bit because of this record that was hanging in the balance, so... Kind of glad it's over you <laughs> guys accolades and now we can move on and try to win the season now. Right.
0: Yeah. And hopefully the warriors can, you know, progress here. Um, I think what's really um, understated about this whole record thing is that, you know, Clay, Clay Thompson will be coming back fairly soon. Right. Yeah. Maybe Hold less than days. a week or so. <laughs> so Let's I go. think, uh, I think that's really something to um, kind of anticipate if you're a Warriors fan moving forward. Yep, yep, moving yep. on to football here. Um, the 49ers, you know, they're the number, what, five or six seed? Um, our boy,
1: the Niners, our boys. Yeah, they're a six seed now.
0: I think with the Rams winning, that puts
1: them in six, but still pretty good.
0: But I thought they played uh, fairly well here. I thought that D'Amico Ryan's game plan. Um, his defense, especially being able to kind of cover the deficiencies of the of the secondary, right? So they played their safeties back a lot during that game. There, cover two,
1: cover so two, they yeah. kind of
0: they kind of um, they kind of forced the Bengals to try to you know run on them and to show and to throw short passes, and I thought it worked fairly well through three and a half quarters, right? But then the Bengals ended up coming back in this game, coming back from two scores down, being able to tie it. Robbie Gold missed that field goal in regulation um, here. Jerry, (laughs) as always, your highlights and lowlights of this game so far.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you make a good point about DeMarco Ryan, right? I think he went with a cover two scheme because they have good right receivers. Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Um, But the thing is, they didn't figure out how to beat the cover two until late in the game. I mean, when you do a cover two scheme, you're actually very vulnerable in the middle, right? So I thought they should have ran more slant routes and things like that to to try to, you know, destroy the Niners there on the passing game. And yeah, you're right. They didn't go with the run game as much too because Joe Mixon's a really good running back. You know, he was coming, out, coming back from an illness. So I'm not sure if that affected it, but but they seem really distraught. And I think the Niners defense actually stepped it up really well there. So I think that's one of my big highlights. Um, I think the special teams was a highlight this week. Bengals special teams was the one that made all the mistakes, right? Like that one guy, he needs to learn how to field the, uh punt. If he doesn't, he's out late <laughs> at this point. And it was really good that it wasn't the Niners. You know, the week before we pretty much lost on special teams, and um, there was a monster game from Kittle and Uke at the end of it too. So I think uh, Debo, I don't think was a hundred percent. I think that was one obvious thing he got a touchdown, but I think he lost that explosiveness that we were used to. You know, and I think the low lights is really the injuries. I think. You know, Al Shayer hurting his elbow was a big deal. Didn't practice yesterday. Warner was still day-to-day. Didn't practice yesterday. Kill was shaken up. He didn't play yesterday or didn't practice yesterday. Um, DJ Jones and Elijah Mitchell also didn't practice, right? So that's going to be a concern going into the game with the Falcons, which I think is a pretty big game. You know, the last... Couple games will be pretty big. We need to at least go two and two the last four games, and we could, right? Because we're playing the Falcons. Um, we're gonna play, uh, was it the Texans and we're gonna be playing the Rams as well. So, those are gonna be tough teams. And I know I'm missing one more team there, but you know, it's not gonna be easy. Um, oh, the Titans, right? We'll play the Titans as well. So, I think we can the team goes well it should we should be able to win at least two of those um but you never know this team this kind of a middling team I would say so and the secondary obviously has problems some Omri Thomas was not great (laughs) I think it was good not great but those penalties really hurt us as well so let's see Uh, Andrew says, I think according to Shanahan, he wanted these guys to get extra rest, so we have a Thursday game next week. Okay, yeah, maybe. That could be the case. But I think I did see Kittle get a little shaken up at the end of that game, right? I think he blamed it on the turf, but he was dealing with an injury in the beginning of the season and didn't really say anything and played through it. And then he missed some time, right? So I'm hoping that's not the case this time as well. So, I mean, what was your... I guess your takeaways, Mike, Um, what did you think of Aubrey Thomas?
0: Aubrey <laughs> Thomas did not look great out there, right? Yeah. And that kind of uh, emphasized the coach's point of not playing him this season, basically trying to redshirt um, him. And he just – I don't know what to do with that secondary because in football, in the NFL, when you have a glaring weakness, there's really no – there's really nothing you can do to cover it up. There's nothing you know that what's... you can do like like in baseball, if you have an injury at one spot, you can play maybe another position player at that spot mm-hmm. and be able to cover it up. But then what in, in professional sports in other professional sports like in NFL and the NBA, if you have a glaring weakness you know at the cornerback spot or if in, in the NBA if you have a glaring weakness at the power forward spot, there's no where, there's, where can you turn to? Right. So, Mike, I,
1: I think one thing I would say though, even though we have a weak secondary, our defensive ends are really stepping it up, or defensive line rather, stepping it up, right? Because we actually are fifth defense for passing, right? But so how so many games, games are do you think we lost us, due to know? the
0: secondary this season so far? I don't think any.
1: I think we beat ourselves. Like, honestly, I don't think it was a secondary that really beat us. I think a lot of times that what we lost on are on special teams this season and turnovers, right? Those are the two key things. I think that that's all on the offense. I don't think there was one time where I was like, okay, defense couldn't get a stop here. Maybe one or two games, right? But then, you know, there's no good quarterbacks out there that's consistent, right, except for the top few teams. So I I would say, even though our secondary is weak, which we know, right, especially at the quarterback position, but how many lockdown corners there are in the league right now, you know, and the fact that we're fifth, that's pretty good, you know, that's really good considering, I think our lines, what's keeping us in it, our defensive line, right? Not having, not giving the quarterback time to pass it, it's making up for some deficiencies in the secondary. But like you said, I think to your point though, once Verrett went down, it was like, okay, let's just sign these guys off the streets. You know? So I think they really underestimated, it, but I would give credit to DeMar- DeMarco Ryan for working with what he had and being able to still have a pretty solid passing defense. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say we've lost at least two or three games this season. I think we're, our win-loss record would be three games better, right? And then also moving forward, you're going to have opposing defensive coordinators scheming against these, these guys, right? And it's a yeah. clear weakness, and they can't get away with it. And to be honest, I mean, I think our schedule is looking a little easier. This Sunday, the Falcons, that's a very bad team. <laughs> that's a very, very bad Atlanta Falcons team. Yeah, right? but, but we've all seen trap team... games. But at yeah, the same I was about time, <laughs> we've all seen trap games where, you know, teams come to Levi's and they just start, like, playing out of their mind, right? Yeah, this but is a 50-50 is, game, right?
1: It's a 50-50 game. Yeah. Andrew Peterson, mentioned,
0: Andrew Peterson cool. mentioned that, you know, Shanahan wants to maybe rest these players for Thursday night. I would say that Shanahan wants to go all out and win this Sunday and then rest his players on that Thursday night game yeah. a short rest. Right.
1: That's a tough game against the Titans, you know? Like, that's not an easy game to play.
0: Well, you're no, playing I on short it. rest. You have to travel across the country for that game, mm-hmm. right? It's not yeah. It's not an easy game. So you ideally want to beat the Falcons. And after you beat the Falcons, you have a 90% chance of making the playoffs. If you lose to the Falcons, the 49ers have a 30% chance of making the playoffs. That's a huge right. drop-off there.
1: Yep, and then you have the Texans after, so that should be a win. And then the Rams, we have some ownage on the Rams, but it's not guaranteed, right? So and maybe that game won't even matter at that point, hopefully. So we'll see. I think you know, there's a game of inches. I mean, look at the Bengals game. Right before Jimmy G threw that winning touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, his ball was almost picked off, right? If that defender held on to the ball, this is a different story. It's a game ending and game ending interception, you know. So so I think it's a game of inches, so I I, I would say well, it's, you know, I agree with you. The secondary is their weakest link, but I think to the credit of the Niners, though, if they play a perfect game in terms of not getting penalties and not making mistakes, I think we're in it in every game, you know. And at the and I think the passing game is not the reason why we would lose. So
0: yeah, I mean, I, Shanahan um, he noted the last few years uh, when the when the Niners had no turnovers, they're like twelve and one right? That's a pretty darn good record. But at the same time, you have to play basically flawless football in the offensive side. Well,
1: This team is a middling team, so they have to, right? There's no room for error, (laughs) you know, for this team. There's no, you know, saving us on the other end if they make a mistake you know so that's that's the unfortunate part so
0: it's a shame that we're labeling this team a middling team right because they, they are, have though. so much talent they just have You're so much talent there.
1: you are you are but i guess when card. you have a middling <laughs>
0: quarterback a middling yeah. to below average quarterback right that's exactly mm-hmm. where your record is going to indicate
1: he he did pretty good in the last feeling. few games, you know, last five games, even though we lost some of those, he was pretty solid. <laughs> like I think he was also like the eighth or seventh quarterback in the last five games. So that's pretty, pretty good. But I agree with you.
0: Yeah. This is,
1: a, this is what it is this season. You know, I think we should be happy that we can make it into to dance where anything can happen, but, but definitely not the ideal way to get in. <laughs>
0: yeah and ideally d ford will be able to come back and help us out in the stretch run baby d Ford, he's done for the season
1: (laughs) I think they need to cut him and spend that money on the quarterback (laughs) so we'll see
0: all right so let's see what else is on the list here um you want to go into our picks here or do you want to talk about some other news
1: no, I think, the, uh, you know, Falcons game is big, like we talked about, right? I think the one thing I want to point out is that my, um, Shanahan knows Matt Ryan pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. He's obviously coached him before, so there might be some edge there. And, obviously, their receiving core isn't as good without Julio Jones, though. I think Russell Gage is their number one, and he was being up throughout the season as well. So I think Cordell Patterson is the guy that we have to worry about there. But other than that, I agree with you. The Falcons – should be a winnable game, but um Sally I think at home is where I'm kinda scared, right? And oh I guess one more guy, Kyle Pitts. but have to watch out for him, you know. He could shred us too. Um just on his size. He's kinda like a George Kittle type guy, tight end. So but yeah, winnable game. We'll see what happens. All right. So let's get into picks. So speaking of the Falcon games, that's gonna be our first pick. So Falcons at the Niners, minus ten. So It's interesting because it used to be a minus seven and a half and the line moved to minus 10. So that implies there's a lot of action on the Niners this week. And the over-under is 46. So who do you have, Mike?
0: I like how you mentioned that Shanahan knows Matt Ryan pretty well because I feel like every team that Shanahan coaches against, if he knows that player, say Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryans or McVay as a coach, I think he can scheme or get an idea of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I get a sense that the 49ers know the, the clear magnitude of this game and how they have to win it and how mm-hmm. they learn from that experience playing at home against the Cardinals that they can't let this game slip. So I'm going to pick the 49ers in this game, just, even though there's going to be some injuries coming in um, here. But they do have Debo Samuel ready to go. They have Ayuk. I think Kittle will be able to play um, here. So I'm going to pick the 49ers there on a clear victory. I'm going to have them winning by 14 points um, here. And I'm going to go with the over in this game. What about you?
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, You know, I just don't trust the Niners, especially (laughs) (laughs) with an easy team. You know what I mean? Like, Like, it's weird because it kind of stepped it up for the harder teams. Like, the Bengals is obviously a really hard team to beat, right? And they're coming off of the East Coast road game. I don't think they've done well after they came back from the road. I think they notoriously have done well going into the East Coast, ironically. But then coming back is where they have that that hangover a little bit. So, I'm going to go with the Falcons plus 10. Not saying the Niners are going to lose a game, per se. I just don't think it'll be a blowout right so I think the line at seven was actually pretty good originally um because I think they if they're gonna win it it's gonna be either by a touchdown or field goal at this point so I, I'll take Falcons plus 10 and over under 46 I think that's pretty low um considering both teams have offensive weapons because I think Cordell Patterson is kind of like a Debo Samuels you know is a running back right receiver type which Debo's the other way around, right? Running back, um, right right receiver, running back. But he's kind of a dual threat type guy. Kyle Pitts is good. Both defenses have pretty bad secondaries, you know. So, yeah, I'll go with the over on the 46. So, all right, right, our last pick is going to be on the Warriors game. So, the Warriors are playing tomorrow in Boston against the Celtics. The Warriors are favored at minus three and a half. The over-under is 214.5. Who do you have, Mike?
0: What was the over-under again? The oh, number? sorry, 214.5. 214.5. Okay. This is, again, a little bit of a trap game, too. So I think I'm going to pick um, the Celtics in this game um, here just because okay. I think the Warriors will have a little bit of a hangover from mm. the Madison Square Garden game. And uh, yeah, I just think that the Warriors are in the middle of a road trip on um, there and they're, they're going to probably be a little bit fatigued um, from traveling from New York. So I'm going to pick uh, the Celtics um, in this one here and I'm going to pick the under because I think the Warriors will have a trouble, will have a tough time scoring the basketball. What about you?
1: Yeah, for me, uh, um, I feel like the Warriors had... Have- A lot of rest, right? Because the game was on Tuesday and then it's Wednesday, and today is a travel day for them, and the game's tomorrow, right? So I think with a two day rest, I'm not too worried about the Warriors' fatigue there. So Mm -hmm. I think I'll go for the Warriors minus three and a half. Um, Also, not really knowing the Celtics that well, because I don't really follow the Celtics, to be honest with you. Uh, I know they've been a good team previously, but I think Warriors do pretty well against teams like that. So um but the over under is the part where I struggle with two fourteen and a half It's pretty you know pretty good line there and they haven't really hit the over these days, you know, which tells me maybe Vegas has adjusted the lines a little bit. Um so I'm gonna go with the under here. Um not feeling confident, but I'll take the <laughs> under here.
0: All right, and our shout outs for the day. Yeah.
1: Today was just our boy, Andrew Peterson. So thank you, Andrew, for tuning into the show. Um, As always, we're on um, Twitch, uh, Periscope, Twitter, and Facebook. So feel free to hit us up on there, leave some comments. Um, I think we have our audio line, right, still up on the podcast. So feel free to drop a voicemail. Um, We'll love to hear from you. Um, And I think we're on Twitter as well. A lot of people watch us from Twitter. Oh, we have one last comment. Let's see. No snarky comments today, Jerry. I had no snarky comments. Yeah, Jeannie, Jeannie Lou, no snarky comments for her today.
0: <laughs> see, Jeannie is your toughest, uh, you know, critic. Fan slash critic. <laughs> yeah.
1: She's like fan slash critic. I would say. But <laughs> well, keep Thanks it coming, Jeannie.
0: You. I I love the criticism. Right. Whatever, whatever it comes. yeah yeah
1: i think we should have a call-in number next time as well so if anyone feels like they want to call in during our live stream i think we would love to hear from you (laughs) you know probably keep everyone two minutes or something like that but i think it'll be pretty cool to have some people can dial in so maybe next time i'll leave a comment with a link and then you know you guys can participate in the show
0: all right sounds good everyone well thanks for listening guys we'll see you next week take care Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.